Welcome to Gardening Talk back on a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back after a bit of a week off. I had a long sleep in. Oh, that was nice. It was, yeah. A whole week of hibernation. Very cool. So besides sleeping, what else did you do? Gosh, I did something really, really interesting on Saturday. I went down to Melbourne for a taping of the new Sean McHale show just to see how live TV's made. Oh, wow. Yeah. Any good? It was very, very funny. It went for three hours just to get 45 minutes worth of material. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, let's see what they cut out then. I'm very interested to see what they cut out. A bit like us, really. <laughs> Speaking of cutting, gardening, what have you got for us today, Scott? I thought we'd talk about uh, potting mix and how to choose a good one and then how to sort of look after your potting mix. Uh, bonsai, we've had a few people coming in uh, with bonsai problems and issues, so I thought I'd have a quick talk about those. And because it's still hot, we'll talk about uh, how plants uh, survive in the desert. So we've got Helen from Morissette, and she's got a question about a mango tree. Yes, hello. Yes, what it is is um, last year's, um, when it produced the fruit last year, a part of the the tree, only about half of it has produced flowers. The other part with this like a stubble, um, like it's dead at the end. It's not, still has the leaves, but part of it is like a stubble, like something, you know, like you cut off your arm and you've got the stubble. Oh, I I, I, I thought you were talking like Don Johnson's stubble when he was in Miami Vice. Uh, (laughs) No, not the that old, type. The old five o'clock shadow. Okay, <laughs> but no, not stubble. Like like a like it's been cut off last year's where it's produced the fruit and it's you know the part that falls off and it just hasn't regrown any new hasn't grown any new shoots or um, any flowers at all on on about half of the the tree. And I'm just wondering whether I should cut that off so it can maybe spread out some more leaves or. Yeah, look, I'll be doing that. Uh, mango trees are, you know, largely a tropical plant. You know, obviously they do better up, uh, you know, once you get up around Darwin and uh, up into Thailand and places. And I think what happens here is that, uh, you know, often you can get a cold winter and you get cold winds and, you know, maybe not a frost at Morissette, but uh, it can get cold. And, you know, certain parts, if they're exposed, they can just die off over winter and then they don't come, you know, they don't regenerate again for you during spring. So I would be inclined, if that's not uh, sprouting in any way there, uh, you know, the uh, Don Johnson bit on your mango, I would actually yeah, give that a cut and uh, hopefully get some new leafy growth off it. Just start up the top of it where you're cutting and uh, you know just sort of start to slice down a little bit until you get uh, into some green wood and then just leave it there. You can seal it oh, off. Oh, the leaves are still there. The oh, leaves are okay. still there. It's just like it's like it's on the end of it. It's like a, a, it's, I can't describe it. <laughs> Just like it's been cut off, where last year's um, flower has fallen, you know, when they fall yeah, off, yeah. the fruit has fallen off, and it's left like a dead end. But the leaves are all around it, but it just hasn't sprouted any new leaves like it normally, or, or the flowers actually come out now. Yeah, yeah, look, um, all, the, all the flowers are on, out on the mangoes now getting yeah, ready to yeah, go. So part has, but That part there just is just stopped growing, but it still has the green leaves. Looks healthy, but no new, no flowers. I'm just thought if I cut that, would it produce flowers now? Is it too late? Yeah, look, it is too late for that, so it won't produce flowers now. Uh, so look, just just leave that in that case, Helen, as it is, uh, you know, for next year essentially. Now, the most important thing to do now that because the mangoes are flowering is uh, to get a fungicide, either Mancozeb Plus or yeah. Coproxychloride. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you need to spray those flowers because they get a thing called anthracnose in them and it uh, sort of gets into the flower and then when the fruit starts to form, it spreads down through the blossom, you know, through the, where the, uh, you know, the, uh, where it joins onto the fruit and then it just keeps on going down through the fruit and rots it away. So it's important to spray now uh, when those flowers are out uh, to try and keep that anthracnose away. Okay, 
Thank you very much for your help. Okay, not a problem. Good luck with it. And I think hey. you'll get some, uh, you know, flowers off that uh, new section yeah. next year. Yeah. Okay, have a good afternoon, Helm. And we've got Peter from Coal Points. He's got a question about pruning of night and day Japanese box and tree ferns. Well, that's a smorgasbord of plants you've got there, Peter. It is. How can we help you, mate? Um, the night and day, I don't know what the botanical yeah, name that... is, but they're the one with purple and white flowers. Yeah, Br- Brunsfilsia latifolia, that one's called. How's that? I'll just keep it as a night and day. <laughs> that's my, that's <laughs> my schoolboy Latin coming out as well. Right. Um, now, it's about 1,400 high, um, but all the foliage is at the top. Yes. How much can I take off it? Oh, look, a fair bit on Brunsfield. So you could probably halve that if you wanted to. All right. And, uh, you know, shape it into a nice shape. And it'll certainly spring back for you, Brunsfield. Uh, look, some other plants you might say only take a third off. But with Brunsfield, I reckon you can, you know, go at it pretty hard. Yeah, And, right. uh, and bring it down into shape. Because that, that is the nature of the plant. It really does get quite bare down below if you don't prune it regularly. Yep, all right. Now, the second question... Um, Japanese box, they're about 500 high, mm-hmm. and I want to try to make a hedge out of it, but again, all the foliage is at the top. Yeah, so with Japanese box, and especially when you want to make a hedge, uh, regular pruning in small amounts is the most important thing to do. It's it's no good sort of letting your uh, plant, you know, reach for the sky with, you know, a couple of branches heading up there and then letting it get to the height you want and then start pruning. Mm. You actually want to start. Uh, you know, making the whole thing, you know, rise up as a block in a way. Yep. And the the way you do that is by yeah, pruning very small amounts. You do almost go out and nibble at the plant every couple of weeks to make it uh, to make it do that. And what it's actually doing is wherever you cut, it creates a growth point there. So you get two coming out from there. And then if you, you know, cut again in a couple of weeks' time, you get another two coming out from there. So it becomes exponential after a while. And right. you get this nice full plant moving upwards rather than just letting a single stem go up and cut it because then you have to wait for the rest of it to catch up and it it sort of just doesn't work that way so go out and have a bit of a nibble at it every couple of weeks so how much can i take off about 100 mil or that's too much uh so it's gone up now how tall's the the actual you know the major part of the plant about 500 500 and how long's the tendril gone up oh um well it's sort of pushed out because i have been pruning it but i've probably done what you uh done too late you know not yeah, not, yeah. Um, not okay. regularly yeah look we'll just 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 have a go at it uh in, in is what i'm trying you know I'm, I'm sort of getting to don't don't think about it too much with a box hedge yep. uh you you know you can probably take a third of that off if you wanted to but All really right. you just want to go back to where the main uh area of the plant is where that main bulk of the plant is and just sort of nibble around the top of that top of that yep and uh then it will start to you know get different growth growth points coming from there and it will move up nice and evenly, evenly for you yeah, well, I've, I've got to get some chook manure to put on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so do that before or after I nibble it? Uh, it really doesn't matter. Uh, it'll just feed it anyway. Uh, you know, at, at this time of year, it's going to soak up whatever you put in the ground. Uh, yeah. And, it's, and chook manure is fantastic for box because they're a green leafy plant. Yep. And there's plenty of nitrogen in poultry manure, so it will just uh, suck it up and uh, go gangbusters for you, especially yeah. if we get some rain. Yeah, it's got a lot of deadwood too that I'm, I'm pruning out of it. Um, Right, the last question mm-hmm. is, I think it's a Cooper Eye uh, tree fern. Yes. That's the one with a furry trunk. Yes. It's got gotten too high. If I cut, cut it off, will it sprout again from the bottom of the trunk? No, it will die. No. So right. there's, there's two sorts. There's Cooper Eye and Dicksonii Eye. And Dicksonii Eye is the one that's sort of this big furry sort of stumpy thing. Mm. And you can actually cut that one and it will reshoot and you can put the top bit on the ground and it will reshoot from there again. But Cooper Eye will just uh, go off and die if you, uh, mm. if you prune it, unfortunately.
All right. Okay. Okay. That's it. Thanks okay. very much. Not a problem, Peter. Good okay. luck with it all, mate. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Peter's going to be Mr. Edward Scissorhands out there at Cole Point by the sound of things. He's getting a lot of pruning by the sounds of it, yeah. Is. He needs to get one of those mechanical ones to make it easier for him. That's, that reminds me we've got to do that as well. No, get I, one of those mechanical things. Oh, what, you just doing the hand ones. Uh, see, I thought you might just sort of hold the lawnmower up and just walk along with it. That's not a bad idea either. <laughs> no, well, it might be a bad idea. It might be a, an ambulance chasing idea coming for you straight away. That's yeah, probably not the most sensible thing to do. No, no. Oh. Unless we're in chain mail. <laughs> I'd get a suit of armour or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. We've got Leanne now from Dora Creek. She's got a question about a 30-year-old orange tree. Oh. Yeah, hi, Scott. How are you? Oh, very well. That's uh, older than me, I'd have to say. Uh... <laughs> I'll tell just, you a story just... in a little minute. But anyway... How, how, just? Um, how can we help yeah, you with it, Leanne? Anyway, well, we've got this 30-year-old lemon tree, big, that give or take. Anyway, something was eating it and ate it and ate it and ate it right down, right down to nothing. And we thought, oh, dear, what are we going to do? So we've chopped it right, right back to, I don't know, about six foot high, maybe a little bit lower. Anyway been watching it and all the new growths come back it's beautiful absolutely beautiful um i don't know about five inches long maybe there again give or take anyway my husband went out and sprayed it yesterday with um citrus spray we get up this morning every green growth the new has been taken straight back to the bark again now we have a problem with possums here but i don't think it's possums what do you think? Okay, so, so it's actually disappeared. It hasn't just shriveled up. No, 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 um, no, no, Scott. No, something is eating it. Ah, it, is, okay. it yeah, no, yeah. See, I, I was trying to pin it on your husband then, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Something is is eating it, and I, I don't know. We've got a few moths around at the moment, and I. But he sprayed it, and 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 so when the when the old bit was on, he sprayed all that, and I don't, I don't, I don't know what it could be. I don't. Yeah, look, I reckon it probably is going to be possums. Uh, and look, the reason I say that is because they love nice, tender, sort of green shoots on plants like that, and they yep. and they really are the only animal that can get up and do you know a, a lot of damage very quickly. And, well, yeah. Yeah. So look, that that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me if it is the buggers. Uh, look, yeah. The, I, with a citrus tree, I, look, I know how they'll try and uh, you know protect other trees with like putting a uh, like a collar mm-hmm. around the tree of some sort. But with a citrus, it's probably not going to work because uh, you know they're uh, not that big a trunked plant. Uh, so, no. Yeah. Look, there are products you can get. There's a product called Deter, uh, which is very good. Uh, you have to mix that up and you can spray that around. And yep. uh, you, that will keep possums away and deter them. Uh, unfortunately, it's one of those things where, you know, if it rains, you have to reuse it. Uh, and, you yep. know, every couple of weeks, you just have to keep on there. And persistence is the answer to keep possums away. Uh, the, ah. other, the other thing you could do is mix up, uh, you know, like a, a garlic and, and chilli spray. Uh, you can yep. put some of that in the blender and uh, try and get that on the plant, around the trunk of the plant and, uh, you know, up on some of the leaves and see if that uh, keeps the uh, possums away mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. I'll fence that. Oh, thanks for that. All right, I'm going to tell you just a quick story. You've got two minutes? Oh, yes, Lou. And the other, way, the other thing I was going to suggest is you could yeah. threaten to deport them to New Zealand because they don't like them over there. <laughs> <laughs> Send them over with oh. Barnaby. <laughs> oh, God, love it. Uh, Scott, is your old man um, Doug? Uh, yes, he is, yes. 
Well, I'll tell you, just a quick, very quick story. I dealt with your father. I'm actually a horticulturist. My grand, my, grandparents, my parents had a six-acre nursery on the mid-north coast. And about 30, probably about 30 years ago, I was left in charge of the nursery. And your father came and bought, oh, I don't know, about 300 pelagonians off us. Yeah, yeah. And I charged him about a dollar too cheap for every pelagonian. I was going to say, did he pay for them? He's a, he's a rogue, <laughs> that man. He's an absolute rogue. He was he offered to, because he said I was such a lovely lady, and I did a young girl at that time, and I did such a lovely job, he was willing to pay, and my, my father said, look, don't, don't be silly, you know. And your dad, he sent me a $5 lottery ticket. Well, you have to tell Doug that I actually won $20 off that $5 lottery ticket. <laughs> oh, we were waiting here with bated breath. We thought it was going to be like, you know, $300,000. Like jackpot or something. Like jackpot. Oh, no, 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 no. I would have rung that. I would have rung him. But anyway, anyway, how is he? Uh, look, he's very, very well, yeah. That's great. That's great. All right, Scott, thank you very much for your okay, help. Okay, that's a great story. Thanks for that, Leanne. Thank you very Good much. Good luck with those Bye. possums. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And we've got Lynn from Gresford, and she wants to know how long does it take before wisteria flowers? Hey, Lynn, how can we help you? G'day. Uh, yes, I've got a, a wisteria vine, several vines, uh, on the front veranda, and it, this is the third season. So it's um, flourished well. Very leafy, but I was wondering when the f- it actually blossoms. It's... How long does it take before it blossoms? Oh, see, with wisteria, it can blossom, you know, virtually in the first year once it's been planted. Uh, and it should be flowering now. So I'm wondering what you're doing to it to stop it from flowering. That sounds very unusual. Oh. What are you, f- are you feeding it with anything? Yeah, we put um, um, chop. Manure on it and um, fertilizer. I'm hubby's not here to tell you, mm-hmm. but I, I can get back with to you with all that. No, look, I think I might have found your problem for you. Um, now that first one you said using poultry manure, it's really high in nitrogen, and that's why you're getting lots and lots of green leafy growth on the plant. And it looks really healthy as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. But they, it doesn't promote flowering at all. So what you need to do is get a product called sulfate of potash and start using that in the area where the roots are of the plant. Okay, fine. The and other thing is, um, when is the best time to transplant a mature lemon bush? Yeah, so uh, look, probably not now because it's just starting to get too hot for it. I'd be inclined to probably transplant a lemon tree, oh, you know, say around uh, April, May and, and do it then because you know it's going to start to cool down for it then. And uh, look, the most important thing you're going to do when you transplant a tree like that is give it a good prune, take about a third of the plant off. And then make sure you water it very, very, very well. Uh, Don't fertilise it at all because that will stress the plant out. It really just needs water and you need to take as much of the root system as you possibly can with it. Yep. Now, when did you say to do it? Look, I reckon about April or May would be the best time. Just, uh, you know, because it's coming out, uh, it's about to go sort of quiet as we go into winter. It'll be a little bit cooler then for you. Uh, You wouldn't necessarily do it in, in spring or summer. I think it'll be too hot then. Thank you very much. Okay, good luck with it, Lynn. Will do. Okay, bye. Bye-bye now. Thanks, Lynn. We've got Kevin from Rutherford, and he's got a question about leaf curl on lily pellies. Hey, Kevin, how can we help you, mate? 
little look. Got you got a, a, a lot of leaf curl coming through on my lily pilly. Yes. And uh, I've lost, they're probably about 1,500 high, and I've lost one of them already, it's a skeleton. But the leaves are starting to fall off all my other ones as well. Right. So how, how old are they? How long have you had them in the ground, Kev? I've had them in the ground for probably uh, 18 months. I've got them very, very well-developed ones. Oh, okay, okay. So they're not just new plants in the ground? Oh, no, no, no. no. 18 months, yeah. yeah. And uh, look, it has been very dry, as you know. Are you watering them, uh, you know, regularly? Yeah. Probably every day. I, oh. I, as a matter of fact, I took my, I took a bit of a sample, soil sample down to uh, another nursery the other day, mm-hmm. and they'd done a sample on it, and I was probably, actually, with a bit of city. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I, I've got some sulphur off them and run some sulphur along it and hose that in yeah. just to try and bring it down a little bit. But, I mean, I, I, was, I thought one of them died because of, because of this system, but it looks like I noticed them... They all seem to be getting yellow leaves, and they're dropping a lot of leaves. Okay, mate, you just you just said that the soil was acidic, and you added sulphur. That was actually increased the acidity of the soil. Will it? Yeah. So if you wanted to decrease the acidity, you needed to put lime around the plant. Oh my God, Father! Yeah. So you might, guy. yeah, might just want to do a bit of fact checking there and see, make sure well, that that's all right. Well, um, put it this way: I was up about six and a half, seven and a half, and I wanted to get it back down to three. No, that that's making it more acidic. You wanted about seven. Uh, that's a neutral pH seven. Oh well, that wasn't too bad. Mine was about seven and a half. Yeah, no, that that's not too bad. I wouldn't, and that's actually yeah, slightly alkaline than if it was seven and a half. See, the lower you yeah. go on the scale, that makes it more acidic. Oh, okay. Yes. No, no, the alkaline could have been right. Yeah, yeah okay. So just, yeah, just, just check up on that and make sure you've done the right thing because you can reverse it by using some lime in the soil. Look, the other yeah. thing that lily pillies get are psyllids and they're like a little pimple they get on the leaf. And they're That's little, where it's got. Okay, so now they're a little sap-sucking insect. You need to yep. uh, uh, use a product. You can either use Confidor on that. That will uh, help control that. Or uh, there was a product called Insect and Mite Killer. If you can still get that, you can certainly use that to keep the psyllids under control. Confidor is okay. I started using Confidor yesterday, actually. Excellent. Okay. Now, look, those psyllids really only attack the new growth of the plant when it's nice and soft. That's uh, right. So as soon as you see some new growth coming on, you know, if it's spring, like at the moment, they're, they're growing, or if we've had yeah. a, you know some rain and there's a flush of new growth then, that's the time to ap- apply the Confidor then, just to try and protect the plant as yeah. it uh, and as that new green, uh, that new growth just sort of hardens up and goes nice and green. Is that a set? Sucking thing like a little red pimple on the yeah. I guess that's the best. I guess that's the best way to think about it. Think about like a you know a teenager. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yep. A little red pimple. Yep, and uh, when you t- they're actually in underneath the leaf, so that's and yeah. you can and they're just in there sort of under a little shell and they're sucking away and they make that indentation that sort of pimple in the leaf that uh that looks uh, yeah like and like a little red th- dot on the other side of the leaf but uh yeah. once it's damaged like that you're best to prune that off because it won't actually come good and yeah. uh just then spray preventatively using confidor yeah because they they've right at the very top of them where they've onto that branch it's gone brown like a real dark brown Okay, so look, the psyllids could be so bad that they're actually, you know, creating dieback in the plant. Uh, so yeah, it, yeah. it might even be worth just giving a light prune at the moment, just, you know, sort of topping out around the, the plant and uh, freshening it up. And then once that new growth springs on in a couple of weeks' time, uh, that's yeah. when you start spraying with Confidor just as a preventative. What would you 
would you feed it with around the base? Yeah, now with lily pillies are native, so you have to be very careful about what you feed them with. Uh, blood yep. and bones, a nice safe fertilizer to use okay, on natives, yeah, yeah, or go yeah. and get a specific native fertilizer. Uh, yeah. And there are other fertilizers you can use. There's a bounce back and rapid razor. You turn them over and read the instructions, and they'll give you an application rate uh, okay. that you can use natives. And you have to stick with that because if you go and use too much of it, Yep. You'll actually sort of burn the plant from the inside out. Okay, all right. Okay. See you, I go. Good luck with it, Kevin. Bye. Okay, cheers, mate. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are at FM. You've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Betty from Bonnells Bay. Hey, Betty, how can we help you? Hello, Scott. Yeah, Scott, I was given about three years ago, I was given a poinsettia in a little little pot. And I put it in the... I had a garden, you know, those corrugated gardens? Yeah, yeah. And I had all veggies in them. Anyway, I took them all out and I put this poinsettia in the middle. Now it's so big, it's all over it, and I want to know if I can cut it back. But it never stops flowering. Yeah, that's the great thing about... They are a really tough plant and they do keep on flowering poinsettias. I mean... Traditionally, they are supposed to flower in winter. Um, I thought that too, but it seems to flower all the year round. Yeah, so you can cut them back. You can cut them back quite hard if you want to, and uh, they they will come good for you. Oh, right. It's just that it's coming over the sides and it's covering the pots that are around, the, around it, you know. <laughs> so I'm going to try and save those pots. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Sounds like it's going off, off reservation a little bit. But uh, you can certainly give it a cut back and uh, just tidy it up. And it won't hurt? No, not at all. It'll, it'll uh, reshoot for you. Oh, great. All right. Thank you very much, Scott. Okay. Have a nice afternoon, Betty. Same to you, oh, dear. Bye-bye. We've got Barry now from Taralba, and he's got a question about passion fruit vines. Barry, how can we help you? Uh, g'day, mate. Yeah, um, I've got this passion fruit vine at home, and it's a very big passion fruit vine. I've got oh, hundreds of passies on it. Um, but they won't ripen and the, and the leaves are starting to go a little bit brown now, but they've been on there for ages, but they just won't ripen. Yeah, so I think what's happened is, is your passion fruit vines got its fruit on there at the wrong time, you know, because just the weird weather that we get sometimes. And really it should be setting fruit now and ripening up through summer, spring and summer. Uh, but what's happened, it sounds like yours has actually had some fruit set, sitting on it uh, right through winter and it just won't ripen properly for you then. Will they ripen if I take them off the vine? Uh, look, usually they don't. They actually sort of need the, the, the juices, you know, the sugars of the plant, um, you know, mixing around through it. I'll just leave them on there now that we're getting some warmer weather, you know, for a couple more weeks and see what happens. But otherwise, uh, you know, start to thin it off and hopefully you get a crop, you know, coming on now with the flowers. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they should ripen up through spring and summer for you. Uh, mate, the thing to do as well is to get some sulphate of potash and... Uh, and uh, mix that up and start using that on the plant nice and regularly because that will promote the fruiting and flowering of the plant. Yeah, uh, very good. Yeah, it's still gotten, uh, it's still getting flowers on them now. Oh, well, that, that's that's great. That's that's when you want it to get flowers on there. All right, okay. So yeah. I'll just put that potash on and see what happens. Yep, absolutely. Start using it nice and regularly every three to four weeks and build it up in the soil. Just don't use it once or twice. Very good. Thank you very much for that. Okay. You have a good Thank afternoon, you, Barry. Cheers. You too, mate. See ya. We've got Bev from Toronto, and she's got a question about Brunsfeltia. Brunsfeltia, latifolia. We talked about that before. 
Yes. With Peter. Oh, no, no, uh, we're we're not saying don't ask your question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, mine was, um, it's only about three to four foot tall and it's it's spindly um, and it had lots of leaves and flowers on it each year. It's been there a while. Um, But this year it's sort of just gone all woody stems and just a few little leaves on each end with tiny little flowers and I thought well what should I do now or what can I do in the future to make it robust and healthy. Yeah it sounds like the poor beast is a little bit hungry so I'd give it some food uh, now it's in a pot or in the ground? In the ground. In the ground so you can safely use cow manure on that Bev um, you know, don't be shy. Give it a give it a good old feed, and then at the same time, uh, give it a, a light cutback. Take about a third of the plant off if you want to, just to get some nice new fresh growth coming on. So, uh, you know, you're sort of doing it in concert there. You, the uh, the cow manure is going to feed it at the same time you're pruning, and it's got you know lots of uh, nice oomph to uh, draw up from the ground and uh, turn into uh, leaves. Right. So I should do that now. Yeah, you can certainly do that now if you'd like to. Good, thank you. That's right, you don't have to rush out right now, but... (laughs) (laughs) Now, the other thing is the lemon tree is a big question Mm -hmm. because um, it's been there for a while and it's very, bit like scraggy and the lemons at first lot are just about finished and there's the odd green one around. But um, I feel like, you know, it looks like it needs to be cut back. But when should I do that? Yeah, so you typically with a citrus tree, you uh, do it after it's finished fruiting. So if there's some green ones on there still, uh, look, you could probably wait to see if they, uh, you know, ripen up. Um, they probably will. And uh, then you could give it a cut back after that. But if you really want to do it now, you can still do it. it uh, you know, you might sacrifice some of those green lemons on there. Um, yeah, give, give it about a third of a cutback again, same as the Brunsfields here, but uh, citrus-like poultry manure. So I'd give it a feed with some poultry manure here. So I've got that. Well, the other thing is I mentioned a few weeks back that I had the Osmanthus fragrance mm-hmm. and uh, it needed to be shifted and cut back. So we cut it back pretty drastically yeah. and shifted it out into a full sunny position, but there's a good drainage. But we've uh, put some manure around it and watering it regularly, which I didn't don't think it got before because of the other big trees yeah. around it. So how long should we wait before we give up on it? (laughs) Yeah, so uh, have you? is it actually shooting at all or not at all? No, no, not at all at this stage. Okay, Uh, look, I I would just continue the watering on it. Uh, Don't worry about any more manure on it because, you know, once you've transplanted a plant, they really don't like being manured. Uh, so mm. I'll just keep on watering it. Get a pair of secateurs while you're out there and just sort of mm. start up the top of the plant and just start snipping down one branch to see if it's still green in there. Mm-hmm. And if it, is... it looks green yeah, where well... we've cut it. Oh, okay. It's not dried up. It, you know, all the big parts are still looking quite fresh. Oh, okay. Well, look, I would just keep on watering it, uh, you know, quite regularly in that case, you know, probably every day just to try and, you know, get it going and bounce it back again. Good. Oh, thank you very much. Great. That's all right. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Bev. Have a good afternoon. Got Maureen from Bonnells Bay, and she's got a question about mandarin trees. Hey, Maureen, how can we help you? Oh, hi, Scott. I forgot my question about my mandarin opposite to what everybody would normally ask you. Last year, we had far too much fruit on it, and they didn't get big enough. Normally, it has a really good crop of mandarins about the size of a standard mandarin, 
this year it just had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ones that didn't get much bigger than a small Roma tomato. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think may have caused this and what can we do to avoid it next year? Because uh. it's covered in blossoms again now and obviously all the blossoms didn't fall off last year and they all turned into fruit and the tree couldn't support them. Look, that's I, my opinion. Yeah, no, look, and look, you're absolutely right and that's sort of fantastic for the plant because uh, most people have you know, quite the opposite problem where they can't get enough uh, you know, flowering and fruiting off the plant. So it sounds like you're doing the right thing. You must be feeding it well, watering it well at the right time. But the, the solution is really simple. And uh, you simply just go and cull, uh, you know, fruit off it once it starts to form. Uh, you know, if you see them, uh, you know, starting to form into those little nodules, you can just go and pick them off and thin just them through. Pick, just pick them off. I thought that was probably what to do. But at what stage, because you get to the stage where you get a lot of fruit falls off mm. because... Um, and I don't want to go picking all my fruit off and then find, oh, there goes the rest of it, and then I've got none. <laughs> yeah, look, you're probably best just to let, uh, you know, nature take its course and, and see what happens. And often, you know, you'll get the, the blossom and just the very small fruit uh, falling off. And then when it starts to form into bigger ones, if you're finding that there's still too much then, that's when uh, you would actually go and pick them just, off. Just go and pick them off. Yeah. Okay, then, well, let's see. Probably this miracle will never happen again, but... <laughs> Well, look, we've got our fingers and legs and everything crossed here. (laughs) Okay, then. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Maureen. We've got Wayne from Singleton, and he's got a question about flapjacks. How can we help you, Wayne? Yeah, mate, I've got this flapjack. uh, When I first got it, it had a bit of a stem on it, and the stem took off to about probably a metre and a half. And what's happening now is all the leaves where the stem first started, like the original plant, they're all dying off. It's getting new foliage down the bottom of it. But I'm just wondering if you've got to take that stem and that, the dead leaves off it or just uh, let it go. Yeah, so uh, so flapjacks are a type of succulent that you've got there. Have you, has it still got the nice red on the leaves? Or? Yeah, it had a nice red on it, but yeah. the, the original part of the plant when we first got it, the leaves at the bottom of that are just dying off. Yeah, so what you can do is you can actually prune that, you know, that trunk or whatever you want to call it off and you can put that back in the ground if you want to and it'll reshoot for you. And look, that's just the nature of succulents. They do seem to sort of stretch out like that and they get thin, uh, you know, they get that sort of trunk on them and they thin out. They don't have as many leaves as you'd want and then the leaves start to reform and clump down the bottom again. Uh, so uh, the thing to do with succulents is to actually, you know, give those a prune and you can, like I said, you can just get that piece of the trunk and plop it back into the uh, into the soil again, and it should uh, grow roots and reshoot for you. Oh, okay, Daddy. Yeah, I just I just didn't want it to die. That's all. I just. Uh... Yeah, just wondering if I could have knocked the trunk off. Yeah. yeah, no, you certainly can. And look, the fact that it's got those new shoots coming down the bottom sounds like it's a good, healthy plant. Oh, yeah, it loves it where it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, buddy, that's all I needed to know. Okay, excellent. Okay, mate, thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye now. Cheers, thanks, Wayne. I think we've got time for one more caller. Oh, we'll, we'll squeeze someone in. We've got Colin from Clarence Town, and he's got lemons with a skin defect. Hey, Colin. Yeah, how, Scott. How can we help you, mate? Well, uh... Two years in a row now, when the young lemons come on, they've got this um, like defective skin, like a little lump all over them, and I've cut some of them off, and I can't find any bugs or insects or anything in there. Okay, okay. so uh, sometimes lemons get a uh, problem called melanose, and uh, that's um, a sort of a fungal disease they get, but it doesn't really sort of manifest itself uh, like that. I'm just think, trying to think what else that might be. Um, 
That's like an older one you've cut them this brown inside that's uh, actually it's better yeah well. okay so look it, it is a fungal problem you've got in that case and if it's that bad that's probably creating the bumps on the outside of the lemon for you so you mm. need to get a product called copper oxychloride and start spraying that uh, okay. over the lemon all, so all, one, over the all over the tree yeah look it's, that's not going to harm the tree at all uh, really once the lemons are green uh, you know you can start spraying then and uh, certainly once they start to colour off you need to be spraying then as well and you should get nice bright yellow lemons again Thanks a lot. Okay, mate. But look, the ones that you've got existing on the tree, if they have got that on there now, you might be best uh, to dispose of those. Yeah, well, I've been pulling some of them off because there's all heaps of flowers coming again. Mm -hmm. but, so you reckon that, well, this is two years. Do you think it'll stay in the, in the plant itself? Oh, look, it's not in the plant. Fun fungal diseases like that are just windborne. So I'd even give the ground around the plant a bit of a spray as well just to try and get any fungal spores away. Okay. Excellent. Gone. Okay. Good luck with it. Bye, mate. Okay. Bye, mate. Thanks, Colin. <laughs> Thanks very much, Colin. Well, we're almost out of time for another week, Scott. We are, we are. Almost out of time. You mentioned bonsais at the top of the hour. Mm -hmm. Just quickly, because I've always been interested in heading a bonsai tree. Yeah, ever you, since you, you pine for a bonsai, don't yeah, you? Yeah, ever since I saw Karate Kid as a kid. Oh. I've been wanting a bonsai tree ever since. Okay. Did you learn anything else from uh, Karate Kid? No, not that how to defend yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bonsais are easy to look after, but we've had a few people coming in recently and they've made the age old, it's a rookie error, yep. it's a rookie error, because you can pick the bonsai up and move it around, they're taking it inside and leaving it inside, oh, right. thinking that it's an indoor plant and you have to be really careful about that because most bonsais are, you know, they're conifers or, you know, some other variety of plant and they're actually a plant that needs to be outside, on a veranda for instance, yep. uh, you know, under some shade. Uh, How about a windowsill? A windowsill could work if it's nice and sunny enough and it gets a bit of fresh air there uh, but certainly not in a shady area of the house because usually they are uh, you know an outdoor plant yep. and they need to be outside somewhere and bonsai really important that you water them regularly because they've only got a very restricted root system so uh, you know every day at least oh, okay so they're not overly too hard to look after no they, they really aren't as long as you've got them in the right environment and uh, look at uh, you know People buy them and they think, oh, fantastic, I can, you know, have this in my bedroom or, yep. you know, on the kitchen counter or something like that. And it's just not the place for it. You know, you're not going to put a huge pine tree, for instance, uh, you know, and plant it in, in the middle of your kitchen floor no. and expect <laughs> it to grow there. Uh, if it did, it would destroy the house. But uh, Exactly. Yeah, same thing your, with your the bonsai. would be ruined. Yeah, it would be ruined, wouldn't it? It'd take a number of years, yes. but that would happen. Uh, so only if you had a single-story house as well. Um, because it would go down into the bottom story with the root system. But, uh, yeah, bonsais, make sure you have them out in the veranda or outside. Very good. I might look into get one one day. Okay, one day. Live, live my childhood dream out. <laughs> and you'll be able to defend yourself as well. <laughs> Scott Sharp, thank you very much, and I'll catch you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.